Hey, welcome back to the Infamous Podcast. This is Brian. This is Daryl. This is episode 289, the Bad News Batch. Uh, all right, so we are trying something new since we've been doing a whole bunch of stuff over the last like two weeks with like extra bonus reviews and bonus episodes and things like that. This is uh, going to be a midweek episode. I don't know if we're going to do it often or whatever, but since this is actually following our typical episode format, uh, we're just calling this episode 289. The bad news batch. All right, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys. <laughs> no, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, this week we are talking about episode three of the Bad Batch replacements, uh, and then we have news about AT and T and Discovery. Uh, some cool Michael Jai Knight, Michael Jai White news. Words are hard. Uh, Snake Eyes got. We got some reveals. Uh, I have thoughts. Um, even though, are you a big GI Joe guy? I used to be. Yeah, see, I never um, was, but I definitely have thoughts yeah. about all this. I, I was a huge fan of Cobra. I didn't like GI Joe themselves. So. <laughs> Cobra. <laughs> uh, and then we have news on Shang Chi and the Eternals and some battles they're facing at some potential box offices. So yeah, all right, let's hop right. Oh wait, before we hop into it, Daryl. Uh, so we're recording this on Sunday. We normally record on Friday. Last week. We recorded the Sunday up today's uh, the episode that came out the day we recorded this one all the way back on Monday. <laughs> so <laughs> it's been a weird week, um, but it was nice because on um, Friday night, I Daryl got to go do stuff. I got to go do stuff. And then uh, yesterday, Saturday, uh, Angel and Haley had an eye doctor appointment. So I was kind of like left my own devices for an hour and I was just walking around Walmart because it was like right there. Uh, one uh walmart get your stuff together and get some toys back in the toy section but uh two they had so you know twizzlers how they have the it's like a twist and then they have like the poland peel twizzlers right okay so like licorice is probably my favorite candy but specifically like cherry flavored licorice um but i hate the poland peels i always look for the cherry like twist like typical regular twizzlers and no one ever has them and so Walmart had them, and I totally bought five bags. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will also echo your sentiment because I told you I went to Walmart last mm-hmm. week, and I went through the toy section, and they had absolutely nothing. It's yeah, horribly it was, disappointing. It was it was sad. Um, to to quote as it was sadsies. It made me feel badsies. <laughs> so. If you guys aren't watching Heels versus Babyface on YouTube, uh, as is amazing. Daryl turned me on to that, and uh, you should definitely check it out. Yeah, he's great. So, and uh, um, just shout out to the Thinking Critical guys, uh, to Wes in, in particular. Like, it's so good. The comic news is so good. Like, like we can only hope to be like a quarter as good as they are over there. Um, but yeah, those are two cool channels to to follow and check out um besides ours so anywho getting on with the show um at&t is it says here according to yahoo news at&t is preparing to merge media assets with discovery uh so discovery plus just launched a couple months ago um and discovery plus is like hgtv the food network oprah stuff um Chip and Joanna Gaines, like Magnolia Network, all, all like the like kind of the fun home improvement stuff. 
Um, Hulu has a lot of it, but it's old. This is all the current stuff. Um, and yeah, so it's uh, it says here the idea is to combine Discovery's reality TV empire with AT&T's vast media holdings, building a business that would be a formidable competitor to Netflix and the Walt Disney Company. Any deal would mark a major shift in AT&T's strategy after years of working to assemble telecommunications and media assets under one roof. AT&T gained some of the biggest brands in entertainment through its acquisition of Time Warner Inc., which was completed in 2018. Um, so yeah, th this is, this is crazy. Uh, I was, I was listening to the, um, Neon and Geeky Sparkles on Clownfish TV about this. And, uh, I think a huge, a huge thing to consider here is that, um, that's the big thing that HBO Max is missing, right? That like slice of, like slice, a slice of real life, um, right. that, everybody else has like disney has it with nat geo obviously but disney also has it with hulu yeah um so this is really interesting and netflix has it because netflix has a bunch of that stuff on like netflix one of netflix's biggest shows is that british bake-off show have you ever watched that i have not watched it but i, I remember when it came on there it popped when it i should say it popped up on one of my so, you know, when I turned it on at one time and I had no idea what it was. So like Angel's obsessed with it. That's her favorite thing on Netflix. And I'll, I'll be honest, like I don't mock it. I, I watch it unironically and I'm excited for when like the bakers do well. And I, I'm empathetic for when they do bad. And, you know, it, it's a it's a really kind of a cool show. But they have a bunch of stuff like that. Um, so that is that. So I, I feel like. AT&T would be smart to do this and if they could roll all of it under like the HBO Max uh banner that wouldn't be the the worst thing and um you know like Peacock just like rolled WWE up under them uh to to add more you know entertainment to to what they have I don't know do, have you ever gone on the Peacock No I have not so, like there's there's nothing really I want to watch like on there. I yeah. thought about getting, you know, just doing a trial, like finding something that I want to watch and just mm -hmm. doing a free trial or something just to check it out. Well, they have like the office. It's the only place you can watch the office now and Parks and Rec and things like that. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I bought the office on Voodoo, like the whole, yeah. like all, every season for like 20 bucks. Yeah. Total, I so. did that. I did that on, on iTunes a few, like two years ago. And uh, same thing with Parks and Rec. Anytime something like that is 20 bucks, I buy it. Um, oh, absolutely. Like, I got justified for 10 bucks for the whole complete series on there. Wow. That's so, a yeah. Damn goodbye. Anyway, um, but so I, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think this is kind of a good thing. I, I think the, the more that they can consolidate back down to like maybe five, um, streaming competitors, it'll be better for everybody. Um, and, and, yeah, and again, like something like this, this is one of those things that, you know, obviously I have Netflix. I've had I've had Netflix for I don't even know how long. Netflix, Hulu, mm -hmm. and Amazon Prime just because, you know, every year I, I pay for the Prime for the shipping and all that good stuff. But, yeah, you're right. I think because it would be interesting to see how people, if this does happen, by the or no, is it? It's pretty much. It's not quite a done deal, 
but it looks but everything we've read it looks like it almost is it's just you know they're waiting for a few things to go on but yeah because right now you have you know especially what about a year or two ago you had all these streaming networks or these streaming services launching and people were like okay i got rid of cable because you know cable is too expensive and i want it you know more yeah. of a a boutique of stuff mm-hmm. to stream. And then when you get all these streaming apps and all this, that defeats the purpose. So you're right. If you can narrow that down a little bit, you know, people, will, you know, some people will buy them all, but other people like, you know, what I like, what I tended to do for certain things on like not Netflix, but some of the other stuff is I would, I would call myself, you know, I'd be a mercenary. I'd rent it out for a month or two, like HBO when it was the HBO go or whatever it was yeah. back, you know, several years ago i would subscribe when game of thrones came out right watch game of thrones probably keep it for an extra you know depending on when game of thrones ended so i would have it for a couple months for maybe two or three months out of the year then i would cancel or yeah you know i couldn't pause it so i canceled my membership when the next year came around i did the same thing so something like this and this is Ultimately, I think it would be ultimately good for the consumer just because, again, we're not we're not having to look at six or seven or 10 or 12 different streaming platforms. We're looking at, you know, that four to six range. And, right. hey, like I said, you might have two of them that you have every month. Right. And then you might have a couple there. You say, hey, look, six times out of the year or six months out of the year, I'm going to be watching. This is on. So I'll get all my watching of these these shows on so i'll just you know just basically rent it out for six months yeah so yeah ultimately a good thing i think uh but again because it's it's not like they can boot up the prices because i think with this it's just going to you know make that compete and again what do we always say about uh competition competition is ultimately good for the oh, consumer yeah, absolutely because not only do you have as a company have to innovate you also have to watch your prices so Something like this, and, and you know, D- Disney Plus again. I won't count Disney Plus because going up to seven ninety nine is not a big deal. No. But like Netflix just raised their price to I think fourteen or something, fifteen bucks or something like that. Yeah, and they're, that's just for that's just for the second H- tier. Yeah, and that's just for HD. You don't even get four um, K with that. Yeah. So, yeah, there is a. If this when this does happen, whenever you know this rolls out, this is going to be ultimately better for the consumer because yep. some of these places are going to be like, okay, we better watch how we raise our prices. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. It's uh, it's one of those things that the 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 better that they can they can treat the consumers and and show that, hey, we're we're trying to give you the best possible, um, product with the least amount of you know upfront cost or anything like that the better off it'll be yep so anyway all right speaking of new products and 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 things of that nature um i I, you sent this over uh in in a whole list of of news things and this was actually the one that spoke to me the most um Michael Jai White to launch gigantic. I love that name. Studio. I love it. Yeah. In Connecticut. So, uh, if if you don't know Michael Jai White, you are uh, 
you've lived under a rock for a long time. I mean, this dude's been in a ton of stuff. He's a great, I actually like him as an actor. I think he's great. Um, he's a world-class martial artist and he's, he's done a ton of just really like interesting and different roles. Um, you know, he's, he was spawn. I, I think that's probably what people know him for the best. Um, right. He is who we compared Macab Brooks to with the character of Jax because he played him in the Mortal Kombat Legacy YouTube series. Uh, and he was great. Anyway, but uh, yeah, I, this this article in Variety from from this week was was great. He's he's wanted to go back to his home state of Connecticut to expand Hollywood or expand the movie industry. Let's put it that way. And, you know, he wants to provide jobs and training and apprenticeships to to that community, which is exactly what people need to be doing right now. They need to be getting as far away from Los Angeles, California as possible. 100 percent. And again, I've always liked this guy. I, I, I used to love when he his uh, guest star appearances when he'd be on Arrow as Bronze Tiger. Yeah, he was. I mean, come on. He was perfectly cast at that. Yeah. And this is. You're absolutely right. You know, one of the things there, you know, there obviously there in Hollywood there, you know, there's, there's a, a way of life in Hollywood that I think is, does a disservice to people like as a whole. And also it's not just that, but it's like the fact that like something like that is so concentrated mm-hmm. in one area, it's always good to where you can decentralize, you know, decentralized your your data management and stuff like that you know in case of you know say natural disasters or something like that but this is is a way is decentralizing because it's also a different type of culture in the sense of where he's you know putting things together in connecticut and the fact that he's doing this for his home state the fact that he's you know he's creating jobs and you know he's not complaining about say you know having to eat bread you know, during lockdown or something <laughs> stupid like that. Yeah, he's that, he's giving awesome. back. He's giving back to his community. And, yeah, this and is not, awesome. And, and yeah. his community. Here's the great thing about it is it's not just like one identity that it's given back to. It's giving back to his local community back home, in yes, you know where he grew up, where he's got his people, where he's gonna have a support network around him. And then the other thing is like where in in Connecticut where it's located, it's about equal distance from Boston to New York. Um, so, you know, they can go and shoot in big cities if they need to have that going on. They've got rural available to like rural, uh, scenes, uh, rural communities available. There's suburbs, uh, the beach isn't too far away. Uh, there, there's just so, so, so much that, that he can do, um, with this. And I was not aware that he wrote Black Dynamite on Netflix. Um, yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, I, I learned that from reading the article, which I, I did not finish the movie, but not because I didn't like it. It's just because I can't, that's like when I had said I was going to cancel Netflix and then I canceled it and just stopped watching everything on there. So I need to go back and finish that. Um, but I'll never forget. <laughs> he played Mike Tyson in the TV movie that was on HBO in the nineties. That was the I very first, about that. Yeah. um, that was one of the very first things. But then as I was going through here, uh, when he, he was in an episode of saved by the bell, um, the episode when Slater's dad was going to send him off to military school. And he was one of the, the MPs. I can absolutely see that. Yeah. So, 
Uh, but yeah, I, I like I don't know. I found this as as cool and exciting news. Um, you know, and this is kind of the thing we were talking about with the Daily Wire. Like you have a group of people who are trying to make content, make make movies, make things that that appeal to more people, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I definitely feel like you know this is this is where he's going with that. Um, and especially because, um, you know, again, it, it, it's just one of these things like you always want to hear about people going home and starting a business. Um, you know, of course, Connecticut is giving him like some pretty good, uh, like tax incentives and things like that. So, I mean, that's, that's what Georgia did to get a bunch of people to go shoot in Atlanta. That's what, um, New Orleans happened in New Orleans. Louisiana did that to, to get people to go shoot New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. They were like, Hey, it's you you essentially, we're essentially going to pay you to come make movies and stuff down here. And that's why all those like Netflix movies, like powers and was it powers? Was that the Jimmy Fox one? Was that it was power? Oh, project power, project power. Thank you. I mean, like there were probably 10 or 15 movies right there that were shot um, like the one with Adam Devine and Robbie Amell, where Adam Devine could change, could go back in time and change what had happened, like Groundhog Day style, um, to try and win over Alessandra Daddario and, and steal her from Robbie Amell. Uh, that was, that oh, was yeah. done in New Orleans. I actually really like that movie, but that mainly because I love everybody in that cast. Um, but but yeah, so this is this is like the kind of news that that I get excited to hear about and excited to read, and you know it uh, it, it's just it's cool. It's it's what yeah. it's what we need to uh, and, to happen. Yeah, and and one of the things you said, you know, cause it's kind of like the Daily Wire, you know, just making content, original content, and that's what it says. You know, his primary focus will be to produce original pro- projects, including action drama, Crossroads Cafe. And then, as we mentioned, the sequel to Black Dynamite. And one of the things we, you know, there, you know, there, there is creativity in Hollywood. Don't get me wrong. But all too often, how often do we get a reimagining, a reboot, a mm-hmm. sequel, a prequel, whatever? And, and it's like Hollywood doesn't take chances. And hopefully think things like this, like what he's doing and maybe what the Daily Wire and other smaller studios are doing. Because what I'm finding myself doing a little bit more now, especially on Netflix, because Netflix has a ton of foreign co- foreign films and TV yeah. shows that are really, really good. Yeah, and you're and getting in on the ground floor of those now before they do a shitty remake in the U.S. of them. Yeah, yes, well, absolutely. Like I told you before, before we started, I... Uh, I rented a movie on iTunes this weekend called The Opening Act, starring uh, Jimmy O. Yang, who was uh, um, Gene Young in um, Silicon Valley, uh, and also had Cedric the Entertainer in it, and a bunch of people from like Saturday Night Live, and just Whitney Cummings has a cameo. Um, but it was it was a great little like indie movie. It was a cool story. It was self-contained. Debbie Ryan was in it as well. It happened over the course of a weekend. Um, you know, it had, you know, Bill Burr has a cameo in it. Uh, Ken Jong is in it. it. It's just, it was this really cool cast like of just stand up comics. And it was all about this guy who loved comedy, loved stand up comedy more than anything, but he was really afraid to like take that next step. He gets this chance to go from, you know, Podunk, Ohio to the improv in Pittsburgh to 
be the MC opener for the weekend for uh, the character Cedric the inter- Entertainer was playing, who uh, whose name was Billy G, who was like a former comedian, former TV star, who was you know back out on the road, and yeah, I mean it's cool. So if we can get more stuff like this, it's original, it's fun, you know, um, it had a bunch of cool, crazy moments in it as well. Um, but it was it was just it took place from like friday from the week before until sunday of the next week and you know it was it was it was really good really good little fun movie yeah and again like i said you know we talk about doing that and that's what i'm trying to do we're it seems like we're both trying to kind of like always finding that little unique type of Mm -hmm. content where again it doesn't have to be like i think we talked about last week uh, Love, Death, and Robots premiered, you know, season two or volume two, as they call it, premiered on Friday. And that's something that's I like. It's season one is 18. It's an anthology series with different types of animation. And these stories are ranging from seven to 15 minutes long, which is really nice and bite sized. But, you know, granted, it's not for everybody, but it, just looking for stuff like that, looking for original content like Love, Death, and Robots, looking for, say, the like something like Ragnarok, which is a show on Netflix. Season two comes out, I think, next week about, you know, humans, like the human kind of people that become the the God, Norse, the gods of the Norse or what, what have you. Yeah. Uh, things like that or Dark, which I've heard. I haven't watched yet, but I've, you know, I've heard only good things about Dark original stuff in those lines that doesn't that aren't in that hollywood staple of you know the same type of you know cookie cutter design of what they're they've been shelling out for years and granted some of it's very successful some of it's good but just it seems like more more and more things in hollywood are becoming derivative and something like this is is what we need is yep and, and again not just what we it's not because just because it's something new but hopefully it's going to be because you still need to make good content right and something like this i will definitely be keeping an eye on just to see where it goes and you know if if there's some good stuff out there I'm making sure that i support it yeah well two episodes ago we had a whole thing about them making a black clark kent right and, right. and you have Michael Michael B. Jordan coming out and saying, like, no, I don't want to be a black Clark Kent. I want to be – he, you know, even though he said he wanted to be uh, – he'd play Calvin Ellis or Val Zod, he's like, you know, I want to be something original. I want to be something new. And, you know, hopefully, you know, with, with, with Michael Jai White being who he is, like, maybe they can come up with some cool-ass black superheroes and, you know, uh, and, and, and help push that as, like – you know, new characters in, in creating a, a second round of superhero mythology. Oh yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, it's exciting. I, I, I definitely am, am looking forward to, to that. Um, okay. So moving on to the next topic, <laughs> speaking of uh, retreads and, and, and weirdness and, and just tone deaf casting and story and stuff like that. Uh, Paramount Pictures released uh, the first looks of Baroness, Scarlet, Kiro, and a maskless Snake Eyes who apparently will be able to talk and not wear a mask at all in G.I. Joe Origins Snake Eyes. Um, I know we talked a little bit about how toxic that G.I. Joe fan base is. 
Yeah, which I didn't even know. Uh, I, I just that. imagine this is going over like a wet fart. Um, I will say the picture of Andrew Koji, who plays Assam in uh, Warrior on HBO Max. He's going to be uh, Storm Shadow. Looks pretty badass. <laughs> that was my favorite thing of yeah. the released pictures. Um, and then Samara Weaving is playing Scarlet. She was, uh, was it V? Z? And um, the babysitter. The babysitter. And then she, did you watch Mayhem yet? No, I have not. So having watched Mayhem, I'm kind of excited to watch her take on like an actual action role. Cause like she has a couple fight scenes in there and you know, even though she's, she's like Rudy, she's five foot, nothing, a hundred and nothing. Um, you know, she, she kicks some ass. Did you ever watch her? Uh, did you ever watch the, the movies, uh, ready or not? Yeah. Yeah. That was like, yeah. that was another good one. So, uh, um, I kn- oh, sorry. Uh, so the, oh, no, continue. the two big, the two big sticking points for everything though were, um, you know, Henry Golding, us getting to see his perfect face, um, his stupid perfect face. Uh, and then Ursula Cabrero, uh, Cobiero. Anyway, uh, playing the villainous, and I, I'm not quite sure. The Baroness. Or sorry, the Baroness. Ah, uh, thank you. Playing the Baroness, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Like, I get Baroness from her costume. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So my thoughts are, you know, this, if there's two different ways of looking at this. Uh, do you want the backstory or do you want snake eyes? And most mm-hmm. people are going to be in that second category of wanting snake eyes. A lot of times when you do a backstory, it's like, it's one of the things I liked about the joke. When I say the Joker, I mean, the Joker in the dark Knight is that his origin story changed. He, mm-hmm. he told two different stories about it. Well, he told and multiple. Like, it wasn't just two. Yeah, I mean, so, everybody yeah. he told it to, it was a different yeah. story. So having something like that, like when you have a character like that, you, I don't want to say you can, it, 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 you can take away from what makes that character special by showing how that character got there mm-hmm. instead having that little mystery surrounding it. So as far as snake eyes goes from the standpoint of the origin, it, it makes absolute sense that he can talk. It makes absolute sense that he doesn't have his mask on with that being said, it it again takes away the mystery. Yes, they in the comics they showed him. You know they're talking about the and I ne- I never read the old GI Joe comics. Mm-hmm. I, I read the ones I did read a little bit of the ones. You know probably like that came out in the two thousands. Sure, but because like, if you look at in this article they show some of the old school Marvel artwork from the old GI Joe comic. So I, I guess they show his backstory in that a little bit, but. I don't necessarily mind this. What I do think, though, I, I, I don't know if they're going to have the the cojones to have him get disfigured in this movie, and then if this movie does well enough, to have him in his mask and unable to talk in, say, a second movie or a GI Joe movie or what have you. Because again, that is Snake Eyes. You know, Snake Eyes is not, you know, this guy that's you know doing his talking with it because again henry golden one of the things he said in the article is you he thinks you miss some stuff when you you you're in a mask the whole time 
And you know what? That is true. But at the same time, that's the Snake Eyes character. And that's why people like him, because not only is he a badass, yeah. but there's so much mystery surrounding him. Right. When you can't see a, a character's face, when you can't see them talking. Well, and, and you know, there's been there's been multiple like kind of retcons and and things like that like at one point snake eyes was a white guy with blonde hair (laughs) so um i think the beauty of of snake eyes is he's schrodinger's mark martial artist right he can be whoever you want him to be um like that's the beauty of someone who never takes off their mask that's what made the dread comic so good the dread movie with uh with Carl Urban. Carl Urban so good and the Dread movie, the Judge Dread movie with Sylvester Stallone so bad. Um, you know, so here's the thing. I don't care enough about G.I. Joe to be concerned about any of this. My 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 reaction as a, a complete outsider to this is I've liked Henry Golding. He's only got like six credits to his name. So, you know, cool. Given given a a, a you know, a guy who who's really only known for crazy rich Asians. Uh, a shot to headline a major franchise. Okay, neat. Uh, I like Samara Weaving just from the the few things we've we've seen her in that that I enjoyed. Um, but the for the rest of it, I I don't I don't care. I mean, yeah. Like I, I think Andrew Koji, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah, Andrew Koji. Sorry, I do like Andrew Koji, but I didn't know I liked Andrew Koji until <laughs> like what two weeks two ago. Weeks ago. So I had never heard of Andrew Koji before two weeks ago, plain and simple. Um, but yeah, so my, my the way I'll approach this is I'll see it. Will I like the movies? I don't know. Um, you know, we're recording this. Uh, actually, the, the trailer is going to premiere nine minutes from when we're recording this. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just I'm not I'm not super concerned. Like this is not something that I, I, I'm so passionate about one way or the other that I don't that I care if Snake Eyes has a mask or if it's an origin and you find out why he can't talk um or doesn't talk or won't talk. You know, um I think there's a lot of leeway there. Uh my big concern is just the stupid costume that they have Ursula Corbrero in as the Baroness. I it just is ridiculous. And I, I can't tell if it's like like there's these little like it looks like bubbles down her sleeve, and I I thought maybe it was like the cobra symbol over and over again, but when you it zoom looks in, like the cobra. But oh, when you okay, zoom in, it's not. It's it's just okay. like it's it's like leather pimples up and down her arm. Okay, and again, this might be one of those instances. I don't know if you like in The Witcher, and again, this they weren't that great, but they were better yeah. in motion. But the, yeah, that's uh, the other thing. Party and troops. I never they, actually judge any of this until. I see them in motion. Yeah. So again, like Koji, that looks that's that shot on Koji with the rain and everything. That is a, that is a amazing shot. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like I said, like I didn't know, I didn't know that that dude was like my third favorite, uh, martial artist on screen until I watched warrior. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, again, I I was reading some of the comments and, and I thought, you know, people were going to say, and, G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra is going to be the best in the franchise. Like, who would have thought? Like, and, and they're they're saying that after reading, you know, seeing some of the stuff they're saying about this movie. Dude, you haven't right. seen them. Just just chill the just chill like Star Lord said, chill the F out, okay? Yeah. It's 
like some people, the fact that he's going to show his face, they're they're already out. Right. And okay, that's fine. That that's fine. Again, for me, I'm going to watch it. If it, is it going to be like the last two GI Joe movies bad? It could be, or yeah. it could be pretty good. Who knows? So, but yeah, I, I'm not into it. Like you said, I'm even though I used to I read some of the GI Joe comics and I used to like GI Joe a lot. I, it's not that important for yeah. me. I mean, I've picked up the IDW GI Joe like yeah, books I used here to like and there. The, I, when yeah. when they're like uh, like I told you, I picked up the story arc where Cobra Commander had died, and the Cobras were all competing to be uh, the next Cobra Commander, and the way they were going to do it was by who could kill the most Joes. And in the first issue, um, Baroness, you know, lured a bunch of you know Z level Joes to a movie theater and then blew it up and killed them all <laughs> you know it was but like but like yeah that's that's how you start a crossover event right there like marvel marvel and dc need to pay attention um but yeah so i don't know I, i'm 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 in a wait and see mode um you know this movie's been in production for several years when when golding was first announced as snake eyes and no people freaked out so yeah i don't know we'll see i just hope that when he does put on the mask, there aren't lips on it. Yeah, that was the worst part of the G.I. Joe yeah. things. With it's that was like guys. putting bat nipples on uh, yeah. the bat suit. Or the bat crack, the one, the butt crack that was on the one. Oh, so, God, Joe Silver, why? <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> on that note, um, so this is our last, uh, our last news story here. Um, Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings and the uh, the Eternals are apparently uh, not yet approved and may not be approved for release in China. This is um, this is kind of I don't even like I, it's kind of funny. It's to it, me. it's karmic retribution in a lot of ways, yeah. right? Um, but so. All right, so there's just okay. One, like fuck China, um, like they we need to stop making American films for the Chinese market, plain and simple. Hundred percent, hundred percent. It's what has ruined storytelling and a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, we we were Shang Chi. We I I'm not gonna speak for you. I have I have no thoughts either way on this one either. Uh, I'll see it. I don't know if I'll see it on a theater. I may wait until it's on Disney Plus for free at some point. Um, but I'm not like super interested. And it's not because it's like an Asian actor or anything like that. It's because the character to me is relatively boring. Yeah. Um, the only time I've really enjoyed Shang-Chi as a character is when he was teaching Peter Parker martial arts when he didn't have a spider sense. And that was because... It was really fun to watch a regular guy kick the crap out of Spider-Man. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it it was great because like Peter was so used to like relying on that Spidey sense for for everything. You know, oh my toast is about to burn. Uh, oh, if I don't step here, I won't step my toe. You know, I mean, like literally, yeah. he was like abusing the power. So losing it was was a a stroke of really great storytelling. Um. But like you know, the ten rings uh, that that should have probably been an Iron Man story, mainly because they were, uh, you know, the Mandarin was an Iron Man villain. Also, um, 
you know, there there's just the just issues with with some of the characters and, and things like that. But at, at the end of the day, um, this is what happens when you don't focus on your core audience. Because when you make movies for your core audience, um, but you make them accessible enough that like people can just like step in and learn about it, or more importantly, will go and see it and be like, I want to know more about this character. Let me go to Comixology. Let me go to my local comic shop. Let me go to my local bookstore. Let me see what's out there. Um, that's what they should be doing with this stuff. It needs to be that symbiotic relationship of, you know, comics to movies, movies to comics, but not just mirroring what's happening on each within their which any within each, you know, medium. Yeah. And you know, again, this is something else we've talked about. And I uh there was I think it was Dark Side Reviews or something like that made a video of the whole black Superman thing. And one of the things I said, and I've said this to you, it's not the fact that some of these things are say changing races or you know changing genders or any any type of swap they do it's the reasoning behind it it's it's all signaling to a smaller audience that doesn't buy your product right and it it's not for you, you it's not because you want to be creatively different or, or have a kick-ass idea right. of how to change this around and the, the hubris involved with you thinking you can change a 70-year-old character, the, mm -hmm. the, the core tenets of a character, is, is, the, uh, is a special kind of narcissism and a special kind of creative bankruptcy because I'll, I'll tell you right now, Brian Michael Bendis' best days are behind him. What he did to Iceman was a travesty. Um, he very easily could have made a new X-Men that he could have made popular. Um if he if he cared and decided to actually write instead of be you know twitter famous um you know ta-nehisi coates is creatively bankrupt creatively probably a little bit of moral bankruptcy as well but definitely creatively bankrupt and you know doing what he's doing is is the worst kind of just divisive just non-unifying decision that i could possibly think of yeah. And to to play that back to Disney, this is a company that did in I was it Iron Man three or no not Iron Man three, Avengers Age of Ultron, they added a character for the Chinese audience, the scientist. Yeah. Well, I mean, but she's Just, a, she's a character from Marvel. Well, no, it's fine. No, that's fine. But they like they were um and there's I think that was it. They actually had Made different scenes for China with you know extra oh. scenes for with her in there. Okay, that's but what, she, I mean she was Korean. Yeah. that's the that's the thing. Like yeah, like it, it's what kind of pandering it is to China that you think anybody who looks vaguely yeah oh, Asian absolutely. from that reason region is going to be like because I don't think you can't say like Oriental and like I don't know like because like Asian is such a broad term, right? There's people mm -hmm. from Russia who are Asian. There are people from Turkey who are Asian. The Indians are Asian, you know, um, and, and so, you know, but but thinking that anybody with that particular uh, facial structure or whatever. Um, and that's where, like, the other thing is, is, is like people are like, I get I don't know if it's Chinese people, but like people are complaining that uh, the lead actor in, in Aquafina don't have like 
their traditional Chinese looking face. Right. Uh, yeah. And then the Eternals, it's the same thing. It's kind of like, okay, you're pandering to us and we're, we're not going to deal with this paternalistic, you know, punching down at us, you know, just take your pedal your wares elsewhere, menstrual. <laughs> and, and why we find this so funny is because how Disney has behaved uh, and Disney and certain sects of their company, such as Lucasfilm, has behaved towards other people who didn't toe that line of, you know, this is what we should do. This is what we should be. You know, we've talked about that ad nauseum with Gina Carano and such. And Disney, who, with the Star Wars poster, when it was in China, what did they do to John Boyega's, you know, John Boyega on on the poster? So to to see them get kind of their comeuppance in this regard. And again, that's just not to say that these movies won't be released in China. Let that be clear. It's just kind of curious that they were not on this kind of, I guess you would call approved list or, you know, again, cause these movies, they're not coming out until September and November or something along those right, lines. Right, so right. things can change, but I think I, I find it kind of funny that a company that has been doing this in the States and, and, kind of and doing what you just said you should not be pandering to china in any way shape or form i know yeah. you like money yeah i know you like money but when you do stuff like that you lose what you just said brian is you lose parts of your core audience because as much as i've loved the last 10 years of the mcu we've both talked about it yes i'm excited for dr strange too but am i excited for shang chi no am i excited for the eternals no uh I am I'm pretty honestly to be honest based on what we've seen I'm pretty worried that it, it well I guess you would say Spider-Man Far From Home was the official end of that great run of yeah. MCU movies. And that should you know what honestly that should have been it for about 4 years. Yeah, I wouldn't have minded that. We talked about that they should have taken a couple off. years ago. Yeah, they should I mean we talked about it on the podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, or with uh, with Winter Falcon and the Captain Wolf. Um Anyway, like, yeah, I don't know. Here, so one of the one of the issues is like the stereotyping, right? Um, mm-hmm. So in the article, they there's from the Chinese region based on the film's poster and trailer. Um, Chinese speaking region has been critical with many commenters in China, Taiwan, and Hong Kong, agreeing that it seems prepared to deliver a quote rather in quote stereo or rather stereotyped in quote view of Chinese people and culture full of Kung Fu lanterns, pagoda and the color red. These characters created solely for the purpose of getting a slice of the big cake. That is China's enormous box office. There is no soul in them at all. The hodgepodge Asian elements in the movie are unintelligible. One mainlander wrote on both Hong Kong and Taiwan's official and Taiwan, excuse me, uh, official Marvel YouTube channels. Fans express similar frustration it feels like this will be the same level of live action as the live action version of Mulan. One wrote with expectations for authenticity. Liu, who was born in northern China and the northern Chinese city of Harbin, acknowledged but head, headed off his haters with a video message posted on Weibo la, uh, late um, late in April uh, in Mandarin. He thanked the fans for his support and stating to all those other people who are earnestly hoping we will fail. 
I have nothing to say to you. Just wait and see. Um, again, we don't hope anything fails except for, you know, JJ Abrams and Tom Hasey Coates, uh, Superman. But like, again, like this is just, it's just such a weird, it's such a weird position to take, right? It's such a weird, these are two just very strange movies to follow up. Like, you know, part of the reason Ant-Man worked you know, because I, I forever I will I will I will compare any of these little one-off characters. You know, D list, C list, X list, um, Y Y list characters like uh, Shang Chi and Z Z Z list like the Internals. Um, you know, Ant Man is their is their bar. Like, can you tell that self-contained story? about a character who's literally a joke on Saturday Night Live back in the 70s. <laughs> like, honestly, most people only knew who Ant-Man was because of that joke with, uh, I forget the comedian now, um, who had the big giant Ant-Man helmet, like the comic accurate helmet that was like oversized. Um, so, yeah, I I think I think China can can honestly make a huge statement here by saying we don't we don't want this. Um, this is not the kind of affair we're interested in. This is not; these are not the kind of stories we're interested in. Um, keep your 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 stereotypical, uh, uninformed, you know, movies movies back in in America or elsewhere in the world. Um, but at the same time, I think chasing the Chinese box office is just a very dangerous precedent for any of these studios to do, and they've all fallen victim to it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, again, it's making a good product first. And, and, I, and I understand it's they're all, it's all about the bottom line with a lot of these people. And they're like, and their idea, it's not making a good product. It's how, how can we make the most money? Which, and, and again, this is why they kowtow to China is because they understand that China is a, you know, China's that over the last 10 years of box office, you know, hits that China has helped some of these movies get has been massive because, you know, just their population growth and just every, you know, their, their growth at the movies and such and stuff like that. So while I understand that as a consumer, I want what I want good products. And again, if you make a good product, you're going to make the money. And that's what some of these studios do not get. It's they, they're more concerned about making the money when they when it's the money will come if you make a good product. That look throughout history, look through and again, I don't mean just movies. Look at something like Apple where, you know, th- you know their products, they make they make good products and that's why they make money. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and well, I mean, Apple's whole ha- Apple's whole thing is it just works, right? That's that's yeah, what they say. Right. I mean, that it's not true. I mean, I'm, I'm fully immersed in the Apple ecosystem. It doesn't always just work. Yeah, but you know, I mean, it 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 just works most of the time. So you know, it's good enough. Um, yeah, it, it's you're you're 100 spot on. So yeah, and and, and to your point, yeah, they this could be a a very big statement that China makes. And again, this is someone who has no love for China. And I don't mean the Chinese people. I mean, you know, 
the way the Chinese government handles certain things. But that doesn't mean that what that in this case they couldn't be right, right. to yeah. say, hey, we don't need this. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's any wrong, anything, any wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong with them saying we don't need this or want this. Um, it's pandering. It's in, it's insulting. You know, whatever. <laughs> like that, that is not being woke. That is being protective of your culture. And, you know, say what you will about the Chinese government. The Chinese culture is is thousands and thousands of years oh, old and yes. beautiful and amazing. And, you know, um it's not something to be mocked. It's not something to be parodied. It is it's something to respect. Yeah. And, and yeah. So uh, and admire like, I mean that, that that's why Bruce Lee is such a tragic character, right? Or tragic person of history is he wanted to bring the beauty of the Chinese culture to America. And I, I think he succeeded. I, I really do. But, like, he did not meet the level of success that he should have. And, again, it was it was obviously a much different time. But um, and, and he died much too young. But, yeah, it, it's one of those things where, you know, we're, we're in the middle of, of propaganda wars on many fronts. Um, whether it's from our own government, whether it's from other governments, whether it's China or Russia or whomever. It, it's, it's one of these things where it's like, okay. We don't need to ha- include any of that in our entertainment. Not at all. Just tell a story. Yeah. Um, because stories are, and it, it's not just, it's not just movies and stories like that, but it's, it's also sports and it's, yeah. Oh, yeah. All, look, <laughs> I, it's, and the idea is, and why do you think some of these ratings are going down is because people are immersed in the real world every day, all day. And for those two or three hours, whether it be a movie or a game, we want to get away from that. And if you don't understand that, I don't know what to tell you. If you're okay with being immersed in life, and when I say life, I mean the negative aspects of it and the hardships of it 24-7, first of all, you're, you're not going to be mentally healthy. That's just full stop. You're not going to be healthy because you need escapes. Why do you think you need vacations from work? <laughs> Why do you think you need weekends or downtime? Right. It's because you need that, uh, decompression, whether, and again, whether it be an hour at the gym or a run around the, you know, a two, two mile run. When I watch sports, when I watch movies, when I watch TV shows, I want to escape from some of the news that I see on a daily basis. And I'm not the only one. You, I'm, we're not the only ones, I should say. Many, the majority of people feel that way. And then with sports, at least, they're showing it by the viewership numbers going down, down, oh, yeah. down. I we're not we're not going to see a billion dollar movie again for 10 years. Yeah, you said that before. And the more I think about it, honestly, I can't disagree with that just because for various reasons. Again, like some of the stuff having to do with COVID and, you know, the lockdowns and so many theaters closing their doors permanently. You know how Hollywood has handled this. And, you know, some people aren't going to want to go to theaters and. And some people just aren't for various reasons. Again, it doesn't matter the reason, but it's, it's, and again, I'll still go, but at the same time, I'm going to, I'm probably going to be more selective of what I go to the theaters to see now too. Yeah. I'm not just going to go because it's Saturday morning anymore. You know, 
yeah, and that's that's what we would do. Like, I, <laughs> I, I would be like, hey, you know, I have Friday. Yeah, you know, I take a Friday off and I go see a movie. I mean, we've done that for for you know what since two thousand eight. Yeah. You and I have taken at least one Friday every summer off and gone to a, a movie. And yeah. lately, we've been like, well, let's take let's just meet on Saturday and go do lunch and go to a movie. And like, you know, we went and saw. We we only did a double feature once where we went and saw Scott Pilgrim and then watched the, <laughs> then went to lunch then watched the Expendables, um, and you know it, it's just one of those things where I I don't think I don't think the quality of entertainment is coming out of Hollywood right now that it is really right. worth that that time effort not not yeah. forget I don't care about the money like a, an eight dollar movie ticket isn't a big deal. Um, or even a $15 movie ticket isn't that big of a deal. Because if you're talking in bang for your buck with entertainment dollars, you want to go see, you know, a baseball game, you're, you're dropping 150 bucks. Oh, um, yeah. Just for crappy seats. Um, but, yeah, it, it's just, I don't know. The priorities are so far out of whack. Uh, this morning I woke up and I watched that I Care A Lot movie uh, with Rosamund Pike and Peter Dinklage. And I'm not gonna spoil anything, but like Roseman Pike's character, who is a predator and a con woman, and you know, uh, someone who 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 willfully does harm, uh, was was upheld as as the hero for for most of the movie, and and that was that was just a strange take, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like that I've one. Same. Oh, sorry. Good. I was about to say, I heard the same thing about that movie. No spoilers. I, I haven't watched it yet, but I, I had, somebody had mentioned that I had seen online about that same thing you just said. The first 50-ish minutes are really good. Uh, the only reason I watched it is because it had Diane Weist in it, um, and I love her. She's great, and in the preview, she's like, ah, oh, you done fucked up, and it's like, all right, I'm I'm in. I want to I want to see a crazy Diane Weist, you know? <laughs> like, And, yeah, so anyway. All right, let's uh let's just stick a, a fork in this one right now, and we'll we'll keep an eye on on what's happening, um, w- with all of this. All right, so moving on to the Bad Batch episode three, um, <laughs> replacements, uh, directed by Nathaniel Villanueva, written by Matt Mitchov, Minch, Emma Mitchovitz. Sorry, dude, if I pronounced your name wrong. Um, yeah, so do you want me to do the summary like usual? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, the damage to their ship from the escape from. Salukami? Salukami. Yeah, that's not right. Cam- uh, well, uh, the damage to their ship for the escape from Camino causes the Bad Batch and Omega. Is it Omega or Omega? Well, she says Omega. Well, they all say I- Omega. But anyway, uh, so Omega uh, (laughs) gets stranded on a moon. Uh, After an Ordo moon dragon steals their ship's power source, Hunter and Omega set out to retrieve it. Hunter is incapacitated, prompting Omega to continue the hunt alone. She trashes the dragon, tracks the dragon, and manages to retrieve the power source. On Kamino, Admiral Rampart introduces Tarkin to his unit of conscripted soldiers who will be commanded by Crosshair. Tarkin sends them to um, Onderon to wipe out Guerrera's camp. They do. Though Guerrera escapes and Crosshair kills a mutinous soldier, Tarkin is impressed and sees the potential for conscripted soldiers. 
This worries Kaminoan Prime Minister, Prime Minister Lama Su, who has a plan to ensure Camino stays relevant to the empire. Um, I'm sorry I butchered all those words. Uh, <laughs> I found everything that happened on Camino and Onderon interesting. I found everything with Clone Force 99 in this episode uh, boring, except for the fact that it looks like their inhibitor chips aren't quite as uh, ineffective as we were led to believe. Yeah. I really... It's... I didn't find it necessarily boring, but I did find it lacking something. I and, I and I'm not sure what it was lacking for me. Yeah. I did appreciate. Oh, we will do. There will be some spoilers here. <laughs> I, I, I did as he reads, read the summary that gave spoilers, but I did appreciate how wrecker of all people wrecker was one the one to have to you know be conscientious enough to make omega a room right in their ship well and when they were crashing we're gonna die we're gonna die yeah. we're gonna die and he looks at her we're gonna be fine we're gonna be fine we're, we're, we're gonna yeah. be fine so yeah and i really like the dynamic of how omega is is going to change okay I'm just gonna call her Omega. <laughs> it just sounds weird saying Omega. Omega. Well, she. It's like Teak Echo. Yeah. Hunter. Teak Echo. <laughs> Rekka. Yeah. So, I really like the dynamic and, yeah, the whole Moon Dragon stealing the power source and them finding out about it, like some of the stuff they're gonna do with it. Now, that's I think that is gonna pay off. Be be very interesting, you know, down the road. But for this episode, it was okay but like what i was very interested in was the whole dynamic with crosshair and the conscripted soldiers and what's happening with him so i really was interested in that yeah there's been a ton of just speculation about some things in this episode that that i i don't know i mean you're 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 steeped in in lore um you know one one thing is the the thought process is the the special clone they're talking about is star killer mm-hmm. right like they're trying yeah. to make a force sensitive clone um you know there there's people who are, are thinking that wrecker is going to turn on the rest of clone force 99 because of his inhibitor chip um cuz he banged his head and, and and turned it on uh i i think I think those are all interesting points. Uh, I don't see this series as being anything that is going to mess or add to canon one way or the other too much. Yeah. I th- yeah, I think this will be more... This will be more of one of those things where they give nice tidbits and maybe let you draw your own conclusions and point you in a certain direction, but I don't know if it would necessarily. And, and I actually like the idea of this being a little bit more self-contained yeah. with nods here and there to the larger yeah, world. Just a little hat tip to the larger world is, is all we need. But yeah, I, I think I find it boring because it's so safe. Like they actually have the ability to take tremendous chances. And, and we saw a little bit about some of the chances they could take with crosshair. Um, but at, at the same time, I mean, 
by the time we get to episode four, uh, Star Wars, as I like to call it, um, you know, the clones have been largely decommissioned and retired. And, you know, uh, the 501st is one of the very few, you know, clone heavy units under Vader. Um, and even then, when the, the first Death Star is destroyed, I mean, that, that the group is essentially wiped out. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't know. But then we know that, like, uh, Dr. Pershing in The Mandalorian has the Camino patch on his his, you know, doctor costume. Um, now, he's not Kaminoan. So, you know, what's the story there? Like, we may never find out. But, you know, it's it's fun to think about. Um, you know, maybe he was a, a scientist that the Empire set there to learn their ways or, you know, whatever. But. Um, you know, we're we're about to enter that third phase of clones, and I would like to see them being a little more daring with how they're handling it. Yeah, and and it's kind of like what we were talking about a bit on Snake Eyes is you don't always need to look behind the curtain to see how someone got to where they are, and in this regard, you we don't need all. Again, I I love the mystery at times, not just with Star Wars, but other properties too, where you see those Easter eggs, but you don't always get that definitive connection. I'm fine with that, and and yes, take chances because, again, this is a, a more of, this should be at least in my opinion more of a self isolated series, with, and again, you 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 want to you know pay attention to the canon obviously and don't screw things up, but there's plenty of chances you can take here. And yeah, this episode, at least not just this episode, but so far what we've seen, they haven't, yeah. but that doesn't mean that they won't. Cause again, we're only three episodes in. Right. So I don't get me wrong. I'm still enjoying what, what we've seen so far overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the, uh, you know, I love, you know, Clone Force 90. I just love all the the divergent personalities. But as far as a narrative goes, I do hope they go a little bit far further than what it seems like they're going to go. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's like, like I told you, I'm just kind of finding it boring. Uh, I, I do find myself uh, typically wandering um, during the episode and, and having to, like, rewind it it's not rebels it's not clone wars you know it, it's something else so i want to give it time and to be fair to rebels and clone wars the first seasons of both of those shows are are pseudo garbage you know until till close to the end of the season so i'm being patient i'm not like oh i'm rage quitting this i still watch it every friday when when i get up and you know all of that but it's just, uh, I'm yawning just thinking about it. <laughs> well, we've talked about this before in other shows. There oftentimes, and again, this is the first season of a show, just because we've met the Bad Batch before and some of these other characters before, this is still season one of a show. And there are plenty of shows, whether it be live action or animated, that, mm-hmm. hey, season one is where the writers and the showrunners they're trying to find their footing or where what direction they want to go. So as much as we want 
a little bit more from this show, we also understand that, hey, yeah, there's going to be some hiccups here and there. It, it, that just always happens, almost, almost always happens in the first season of a show. So a lot of people also thought they were talking about the Bad Batch as the clones that they need to get back to create their like super clone. And I think it's Omega. I think I think she's a force sensitive clone. Um, and if she's not, that's fine. But I think that would be very interesting to see Pershing's work with the, the M count, as they say in the Mandalorian started in this series. Um, I also think it would be interesting um, to to maybe see the Camino turn on the Empire a little bit and and create some things as uh fail safes if you will which would be I would for in in that position if I was that prime minister it makes good business sense yep to have something in the, your back pocket because again they want to be relevant and we, we we know what type of actions the empire would will take on or on something or someone they find irrelevant or unnecessary. So, yeah. yeah. I also think this kind of um, what's been happening in some of these cartoons is the assassination assassination of Wilf Tarkin as a badass. Um, he just seems so very short-sighted in all of this. Like, we don't need the clones. The clones are too expensive. It's like, yeah, but he's the kind of Admiral Moff you know, who, who is interested in, in domination and, and having, you know, his own corner of the universe, not just obeying what Palpatine tells him to do. Um, you know, I, I get, I, I like the, the addition of Rampart. I think Rampart would have been a nice addition, free of nicer addition, free of Tarkin in this series. Um, I think the overwhelming looming of Tarkin's shadow would have better been a better use of the character. Yeah, I could see that. Um, and, yeah. and yeah, to to your point about Tarkin, what better way to yeah yes they might be expensive, but what better way to ensure loyalty than again we've seen that what you can do with clones from a right. you know almost a programming standpoint. Yeah. And as what you what do you see here with the soldiers with the conscripted soldiers? He one of them has a conscience and says, "Hey, this isn't right. We why these people are prisoners? They are not soldiers. Right? We're I'm not going to kill these people. Tough. <laughs> yeah. And, um. Yeah. And I'm going to keep saying Crosshair is the most effective member of Clone Force ninety nine until someone in Clone Force ninety nine who's not Crosshair proves me wrong. <laughs> Like I'm actually I, surprised all of them survived any mission, you know, with, without his help. Yeah, without Overwatch. It's an important position. Yeah. So again, yeah, it's this is probably so far cuz this was actually I think the only episode, I mean again, I know we're only in week 3, but this is the or episode 3. Uh, this is the only one where I was. I, I actually had to pause it because I was getting kind of well. Anyway, it was sleep issues, but also I, I, it was just not 
keeping me sure. super engaged, especially the first one. The first episode really kept me engaged all the way through. Second episode was a little bit of a slowdown, and this one it slows down a little bit more. Doesn't mean it's, it doesn't have good part aspects to it. But again, it, it, it's it's out of all out of the first three, this one dragged the most for me. I liked the second one just because it was a deep cut from the Clone Wars. Um, yeah, I, I felt special uh, <laughs> for, for like you know calling that. But uh, yeah, it's it's here's the thing: is it's not bad. It's good. No, it's, it's not. It's good. It's just I'm not. I'm just not invested in it. And then you look at the things that have been coming out, like the the Buckethead's uh, prologue for for season one came out this week, and it's amazing. Yeah, I don't know if you watched it. I, I did. Like, I I watched the first couple of minutes of it, so I I have to finish it up. It's so. it's twelve minutes. It's it's so yeah. great. I'm I'm I'm. We need to review that. We need to do whatever we. Can oh yeah, to, we could do that to push that out. But, um, but yeah, it, it's. You know, here here's the thing, is Tarkin is all we need conscripted soldiers and 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 Rampart is you know, well we need conscripted soldiers, but we also need them you know managed by clones who are battle hardened and you know uh, efficient and it'll make everyone more efficient. And and Tarkin is so racist isn't the right word clonist. Um, <laughs> he's anti clone. Um. And you know he's been anti-clone in the Clone Wars. They when when you know they dispatched the team to to rescue him from the Citadel. He was he was very he was anti-clone and he was anti-Jedi. Save Anakin, um, because in Anakin he found someone who had a lust for power and order um, that that rivaled his own. So so yeah, it, it's just I don't know. It just seems kind of like weirdly out of character for the way he's acting but again we're three episodes in um but at this point he's managing this the death star or project stardust as it's known in canon now and the tie defender program that theron has going on on lothal so he's he's doing a lot so it's like <laughs> okay like he's is he hedging his bets is he or is he just that bad at managing what's happening under his particular fiefdom of the inner empire yeah i i don't know at the end of the day the bad batch know. did not have tashi tashi station to find power converters so they were they were <laughs> lucky they were able to save the one that the dragon stole yeah all right, so out of dead conscripted soldiers, dead conscripted stormtroopers, uh, out of five, what do you give this episode? I give it a three. It again, it's. It, I think sometimes when I like we we look at stuff and and when I talk to people as well about how I talk about movies and TV shows, I, I gave this caveat that like says I'm sometimes a little bit more critical on stuff than you know the average watcher of shows and movies and so when i give it a three that doesn't mean that it wasn't still enjoyable because i, I did like you know a lot of it but at the same time it like as i said earlier the stuff with the clones or, or not with clones with the uh, task force 99 with wrecker and all of them on the ship it just 
there it was missing a note it was it was it was yeah. like a musical piece where you can feel that something is off it doesn't mean it's bad but you can just feel like it's not on the level that it could be yeah and so despite some of the interesting stuff going on the Capino and how fascinating it is to watch crosshair and i'm real i'm just so enthralled to see where he goes you know through this first season yeah that's the the interesting story for me as well yeah so i i just have to give it you know it's it's my le- and again when i say least favorite of the three so far that doesn't mean i i didn't enjoy it i did enjoy it it just fell a little bit short for me so yeah, I'm compared right there with the other, you. I'm right there compared with to you. the other episodes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you with a three. Um, I think again, I I I still feel like the first episode should have been split into two, so this should have been a fourth episode. And, I I agree. Yes. And I I think that pacing might have made the last two episodes a little a little different. But um, but yeah, it's just I don't know. I, like all the crosshair stuff is great. Like the stuff with the Bad Batch out in their broken ass ship is just kind of blah. It's like, okay, like we saw this with Han Solo, like having to fix things constantly. Like let's, let's, let's actually show these guys to be badasses and, and capable and, and more than capable where they, they actually are able to, to, you know, avoid the empire except for when they engage. Um, I think especially the fact that they have tech and, and echo as two strategic masterminds with them, that that shouldn't be hard. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So cool. All right. Well, there'll be more next week. So cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, like I, the animation's great. The, the, the story is, is interesting, not compelling, but, um, I, I think Omega is the, the kind of the big X factor. Um, I, I think, uh, the simpler they keep her story, the more interesting it will be if they try to get all convoluted with it. Um, like, oh, she was cloned from Luke Skywalker's hand and she's got a Kyber crystal in her head. Like, you know, <laughs> that, that's like, okay, you lost me. Um, I, yeah, you know. So when she when she gets mad, she will open her eyes and lasers, laser swords will pop out and she will be the most unstoppable lightsaberist in the galaxy. Is Jar- is Abrams writing this? Probably. God, that guy. <laughs> that guy. Ugh. So. Anyway. All right. Uh, yeah. Any last words or anything you want to add? before we close out no i no not really just looking forward to and yeah uh again mentioned well by the time everybody reads this the the trailer for snake eyes will be out i'm looking forward to checking that out but also again looking forward to seeing where they take crosshair and the next time he meets up with his former yeah his former team that's that's what i'm really looking forward to in the bad batch yeah it's funny the two characters i care most about are crosshair and omega um, and I don't care about Omega because she's a little girl clone. And if if she's deemed as defective because she's a girl, um, I just think that is just hilarious. <laughs> but I, I'm just interested because she's an unknown. And there's so few yes. unknowns in Star Wars anymore. 
um, because of just the, the piss poor story group um, that it's nice to see Dave Filoni able to surprise me or surprise yeah. everybody. And then, you know, it's like, like you said, it's not bad. It's, it's, it's actually very good. It's just kind of slow. And that part of that is it's a first season. Yeah. And, and yeah. And so I'm, I am really looking forward to seeing where we go in this first season. So anyway, cool. On that note, uh, go check out Bucketheads. Just type it into YouTube, Bucketheads. Um, and there was a movie, a short, little short film from. It's like it's another twelve minute movie that they did in twenty eighteen. Uh, that is great. It, it's great, great, great. And um, yeah. All right. Cool. Well, on that note, Daryl, anything else? Nope. All right. Well, we will talk to you guys on Sunday. Have a good one. Bye. The FMS Podcast is recorded in Kings Mills, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati. You can find new episodes every Sunday on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, our website, or anywhere podcasts are downloaded. This show is hosted by Daryl Jasper and me, Brian Tudor. To find more information about the show, visit us at infamouspodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at infamouspodcast to keep up with the show. We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash infamouspodcast. We have some great rewards for our patrons and are looking for help to grow the show to bring you more of the content you want to hear. Music for this podcast is provided by Michael Henry from meetmichaelhenry.com. So, whenever you're listening to us, have a great day, night, evening, weekend, whenever it is, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.